In Florida Ag and Review for the week of September 19th, we had water war news. Well, a new development on the three-state water war with a federal appeals court rejecting a bid by Florida and Alabama for a new hearing on Atlanta's use of Lake Lanier as a drinking water source. The 11th Circuit Court of Appeals turned down the two states' request, giving Georgia another victory in a decades-long fight over how the water in the system that is fed by Lake Lanier is used. And speaking of water... Well, as many of you know, the federal government is trying to impose drastic new regulations for water treatment in Florida, known as numeric nutrient criteria. But President Obama has said he would review the regulation if he received a petition with 5,000 signatures. Many ag groups, including the Florida Cattlemen's Association and Florida Farm Bureau, support the signing of an online petition. So you're encouraged to sign the petition along with this story in order to reach the 5,000 signatures needed to get President Obama to review the numeric nutrient criteria rule. And with a little food or maybe fuel for thought, Randall Wiseman had this. The House Subcommittee on Livestock, Dairy, and Poultry held a hearing this past week to examine the issue of feed availability and its effect on the livestock and poultry industries. Speaking on behalf of the National Cattlemen's Beef Association was Steve Meyer, who said while U.S. corn usage for food and industrial purposes other than ethanol have remained relatively constant since 2008, the amount of corn used for ethanol has increased eightfold, with three-quarters of that increase occurring since 2005. He said subsidized ethanol has met record high corn prices and record high cost of production for meat and poultry resulting in lower per capita meat and poultry output. Randy Spronk, vice president of the National Pork Producers Council, said it is a real possibility that next year corn will need to be rationed. NPPC believes that rationing ought to be applied to all corn users, including the ethanol industry. Spronk noted the growth of the ethanol industry has been driven almost entirely by the Renewable Fuel Standard mandate, which makes no provision for short corn supplies. Speaking for the National Chicken Council was Michael Welch, who said we need a safety valve to adjust the Renewable Fuel Standard when there is a shortfall in corn supplies. In addition, a plan should be implemented to allow a reasonable number of good, productive cropland acres to opt out of the Conservation Reserve Program on a penalty-free basis. In written testimony, the Dairy Farmers of America told the House Subcommittee hearing on livestock feed availability that U.S. dairy producers were hit hard in 2009 and in 2010 with extreme volatility in milk and feed prices, which forced many producers from the industry while others lost a generation worth of equity on their farms. But before that hearing started, Bob Deneen, president and CEO of the Renewable Fuels Association, said the hearing will do little more than provide a soapbox for those that falsely present domestic ethanol production as creating a choice between food or fuel. Deneen called the panel scheduled to testify a stacked deck. RFA says America's ethanol producers are on pace to produce nearly 40 million metric tons of livestock feed this year, a volume greater than all the corn used on cattle feedlots across the country. Additionally, ethanol producers are poised to export nearly 25% of that volume to meet growing feed demands around the globe. The National Corn Growers Association also submitted a statement for the record to remind critics that we don't need to choose between using corn for feed or fuel. They note that historically, corn farmers have understood they have the ability to supply growing ethanol and livestock producers simultaneously without negatively impacting either as a value customer. NCGA continued that with advances in both seed and farming technologies, U.S. corn producers have increased average yields substantially in the past few decades. So the debate concerning the issue of feed availability continues. And we will wrap up for this week with Everett Griner. It's a subtle change, uh, but a lot of observers uh, think agriculture in the southeast is different today. 
First, tobacco, a huge crop from Florida to Virginia, has practically vanished. Corn acreage has declined to a mere shadow of what it once was. And soybean plantings have declined on a steady basis for a decade now. Soybean acreage is off 200,000 acres from preseason expectations this year. Tobacco, corn, soybeans. Why? Well, since the boll weevil eradication worked so well, cotton has regained a lot of its prominence in the southeast, not so much in Tennessee and Kentucky. And then peanuts, another boomer across the southeast. Now there's a sleeper crop, vegetables. Vegetable production continues to grow because southeastern farmers can grow two crops a year in most areas. Well, I guess things have changed. Did you notice? And remember, you can find these stories along with all the week's Southeast Agnet reports on our website at southeastagnet.com. I'm Julie McPeak with Southeast Agnet's podcast.